What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Pro GK Podcast. My name is Omar Zini, and I'll be your host once again. Uh, in today's episode, I wanted to answer a question that I frequently get asked, and that is, how do I manage my nerves before a big game or a big trial? And so the main reason why I wanted to answer this question is because, you know, for athletes and especially for us goalkeepers, those nerves become more and more prevalent as the stakes become higher. And unless you have a plan in place to combat those nerves, they have the ability to cripple us and can force us to play way below our potential. And that's just something that we can't afford. Obviously, in your youth career, you may be the only goalkeeper, so you you know kind of get away with a few of those mistakes. But as the stakes become higher, you don't have as much room for error. You make a mistake, you slip up, there's somebody right behind you to take your spot. So that's something that the coaches look for and try and find in somebody is that mental fortitude to continue to persist even after a mistake or after a bad run of form. And, you know, as we all know, goalkeeping is just one of those unique positions in sports that comes with an incredible amount of stress and anxiety. And unless you are a goalkeeper yourself, it can be difficult to understand what we go through on a day-to-day basis. And so this is something that I've personally struggled with my entire playing career. From a young age, I was told that, you know, these anxieties were normal and that I just needed to deal with them. And so that's what I did. I kept these nerves to myself and just continued to play. And, you know, that method did serve me well. But uh, in all honesty, I was just prolonging the inevitable, which was getting down to the core of what it was about my personal psyche that turned me into a nervous wreck before any big game or trial. And it wasn't until I got to college and spoke to a sports psychologist that I realized that there were actual techniques that I could use that would not only calm me down in those situations, but rather help me overcome them as well. And so after I spoke to her numerous times and she came to a bunch of my games, I was able to implement and install those techniques and I saw my game get taken to a completely different level. So, you know, with this episode, I wanted to share some of those techniques with you guys and I hope you guys can internalize them and use them in your favor like I was able to. So to start, I'll be breaking down the two most common anxieties that I feel come with playing the position and afterwards, I'll share with you guys three techniques that you guys can use to combat your anxieties. Uh, This information helped me out a ton and I think it'll do the same for you. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Yeah. Grandmaster Soul shouts. Let's get it. You did with the best. So to start off this episode, I wanted to dive into the two most common places where those anxieties and those nerves can come into play when playing the goalkeeping position. The first is the pre-match nerves, and the second is the in-game and dead ball situations. But before we get into the dead ball situations, I wanted to start with the pre-match nerves. You know, for some of us, pre-match nerves can mean anywhere between 24 to 48 hours before a game or just before the game is about to start. Either way, any of these have the ability to cripple us and prevent us from playing up to our fullest potential. For me, there were always two reasons why I would be nervous before a game. A fear of my opponent and because of a lack of preparation. So I want to start with the fear of my opponent. Now, because I used to watch so much film and look at all the scouting reports and stats, I used to become fixated on the opposing team's best players. You know, the idea of having to go up against those guys definitely terrified me. And there was one game in particular in my career where that fear of my opponent would prove costly. I was a sophomore in high school and 15 years old. So at 15 years old, it's very difficult to have an understanding or a real grasp of what these butterflies are, what these nerves that you're feeling, and where they're really coming from. Um, So, you know, we were in the first round of the playoffs, 
And we're going up against a team whose forward had 35 goals that year. And the majority of those uh, goals came from headers. And so every time we would watch this guy on film, my coach would call me out in front of the whole group and say, you know, Omar, we need you to be a monster. We need you to command the six against this guy so that he doesn't get any of those uh, notorious headers. So the entire week and again, 24 or 48 hours before the game, that's all I was thinking about. My head was consumed with this guy. I just kept telling myself, you can do this, man. You can do it. But if anything happens, anything he does, if he scores, just don't let him score in a header. And I remember, you know, taking a second during my pregame warm-up and looking over to him and seeing that, man, this guy is legitimately what he was advertised to be. He's six foot three and an absolute monster in the air. And for me, you know, I had a plan. And that was to come out for any and every ball I possibly could. And he wouldn't even get a chance at a header if I was able to do that. But as Mike Tyson once said, Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And about 15 minutes in, I got punched in the mouth. They get a free kick and they serve the ball in and it clearly falls in my six. And my defenders completely stop. They assume that I'm coming for it and I don't. And that big forward comes through and he heads it in from about five yards out. We go down 1-0 and our captain is you know, yelling at me and I remember it being a wake-up call. I thought to myself, okay, well, you knew what he could do and he did it. Now, what's left to be afraid of? And so 10 minutes later, I make a big save off of a shot from the 18 and I get up, I start yelling back at my captain and go, hey, Ricky, you see, man, I'm here, let's go. And he was like, all right, Omar, it's a little too late for that. You know, we needed that confidence and that bravado from you from the start of the game. And we're already down 1-0 and you need to be here from minute one. And when he said that to me, it really hit me hard because he was completely right. Why would I give my opponent the upper hand and an advantage going into the game without them having to do a thing? And so from that point forward, you know, I remember being able to rationalize with that thought. And instead of only looking at it from one perspective, I began to ask myself, is that forward ready for me? I'm sure he's thinking that he may only get two or three chances in this game. And when he looks at me, I have a good feeling he's worried that he won't be able to convert those chances. And so by kind of flipping the script, that's how I was able to rationalize that situation and kind of overcome that fear of my opponent, giving them the idea that I was afraid or coming into the game uh, kind of behind the eight ball would definitely put the ball in their favor as well. So I wanted to make sure that I was able to find a way to combat that. And I felt like I was, but that saying would only be good if I was confident in my week of preparation. And that leads me into my second point about the pre-match nerves, preparation. For me, preparation before a game came in two layers, my week of training and my week of nutrition. These two had to be on point for me to be sharp. Unfortunately, as you guys will come to know when listening to this podcast, I was someone that lacked any discipline at all on and off the field. Now, you know, the reason why I bring these two up together is because they're more or less intertwined. And like I mentioned in the previous podcast, I was never the type of player to have a serious or disciplined diet. In both college and throughout my academy days, I remember justifying my bad eating habits with the amount of training I was doing. So my formula to balance the two out was that as long as I was exuding more energy and sweating more on the field than I was actually consuming food, then my mind and my body would be in unison and I would feel prepared. And for those 12 years that I was playing at a highly competitive level, I was walking such a fine line with that formula. I still remember on one occasion having a game on a Saturday afternoon and needing to go for a jog on a Friday night because my food intake for the week just outweighed the sweat that I had exuded. And I knew that if I didn't even the two out, my psyche wouldn't be right come game day. So I'd go on my jogs, sweat out the fat, and then be back to my normal self. 
And you guys are probably thinking to yourself, like, that sounds crazy. How can you do that to yourself every single week? And you'd be right. Every single week in the few days going into my games, I was a nervous wreck. And while I was able to figure out how to cope with that fear of my opponents, I was never really able to find a solution for that biggest enemy that I had, which was myself and my lack of discipline. And that wasn't until I got to my senior year of college. And, you know, later on in the episode, I'll give you guys my tips on what to do to combat your pregame nerves. But before that, I wanted to get into the second situation where most of us goalkeepers get our anxieties from, and that is through in-game dead ball situations. Most of us are nervous wrecks before games. Those nerves just come in different ways. But the most common come from the fear of feeling unprepared or that we'll somehow forget everything that we've been taught and let in a howler that'll cost us the game. But if you've noticed that once the game starts, we tend to lose those nerves because we're so caught up in the game that we don't have a second to think about anything but the task in front of us. But there is a time in a game where all those nerves come rushing back. And that brings us to this point, dead ball situations. With dead ball situations, they can mean anything from a goal kick, a free kick, or even a long throw-in. Because all of these have one thing in common, the arrival of something called ANTS. ANTS is a term that was created by Dr. Daniel Amen. It stands for Automatic Negative Thoughts. He believed that these ants would often come in the worst of times and the most critical of times and would almost become self-fulfilling prophecies. For example, when it comes to dead ball situations and you're convinced that you're going to make a bad decision on that flighted service, then guess what? You're probably going to make a bad decision on that flighted service. This type of thinking can severely hinder your ability to execute the proper technique. And that's a technique that we've trained hundreds and hundreds of times. And we've seen those situations hundreds and hundreds of times. Now, one of Dr. Amen's best techniques to combat those ants was self-talk. He said that every single time you have a thought, positive or negative, your brain releases chemicals. When you have a sad, miserable, or helpless thought, your brain immediately releases chemicals that can make your body feel awful. The opposite is also true. Whenever you have a happy or positive thought, your brain releases a completely different set of chemicals. So if you want to eliminate those automatic negative thoughts, you must turn them into a PAT, which is positive and affirming thoughts. So for me, whenever I'm in a crucial situation and am faced with those ants, I've come up with a few different positive and affirming thoughts that can quickly help me bounce back. The one that I use the most is a quote from a good friend of mine, Alexis Guerreros. Uh, Alexis is a co-host of an MLS podcast called The Cooligans, and he also happens to be a well-known comedian. And when we sat down recently, we spoke about the similarities between a stand-up comedian and a goalkeeper. We discussed the common nerves and how he dealt with those nerves. And he said something to me that left me in complete awe and really changed my perspective and outlook on things. He said, whenever I'm about to go on stage and get that sudden rush of nerves, I tell myself that the moment in front of me is not bigger than the skill set that I've developed. I'm better than whatever fear I have in that moment. I'm not going to let my hard work go to waste because of some nerves. And ever since he said that, I've really taken it to heart and I've taken it with me everywhere. I've used it whenever I'm faced with those ants and in crucial situations. But there's one thing that Alexis says that I really want to highlight again. And he says, the moment in front of me is not bigger than the skill set that I've developed. And so when he says the skill set that I've developed, he is talking about his preparation and how confident he is in it. 
And preparation, again, is the key word here and is especially important when it comes to the topic of nerves. And that's what's going to take us into the next segment of the episode where I'll be giving you guys a few techniques along with self-talk that can really help you guys overcome those nerves and those ants when you guys are faced with them in games or in pre-game situations. What time is it? All right, guys, so now that we've discussed the most common times where these nerves tend to arise, I want to offer you guys two techniques that could potentially be solutions to combat those nerves. Both of these techniques fall under preparation. They are your physical and psychological prep. When both are checked off, I feel like you'll be able to combat any of those ants or nerves that may creep into your mind before a game. Now, let's first take a look at your physical preparation. Your physical health is dependent on more than just your proper week of training, but rather a legitimate routine that should encompass these three things. Sleep, your nutrition, and then your on-the-field training. Checking these three boxes should help eliminate many of the doubts that would make you feel like you're unprepared. First, let's take a look at the importance of sleep. The quality and amount of sleep we get is often the key to how we perform. If our sleep is cut short, the body doesn't have time to repair itself. A study in the journal Sleep confirms the role of sleep in performance with results that show declines in split-second decision-making following a poor night's rest. That is worrisome for us, of course, because split-second decisions account for more than half of what we do in a game. And on top of that, sleep deprivation has also been seen to decrease production of glycogen and carbohydrates that are stored for energy use during our physical activity. So, in short, this journal is trying to say that less sleep increases the possibility of fatigue, low energy, and poor focus come game time. That is why it is so crucial for us, mainly because we're not always involved in the game and we're not always going to be asked to do something but we want to make sure that when we are called upon in the 90th minute or in the first minute of the game that we have the ability to kind of call on those split second decisions and that we can make the proper decisions in those moments next is nutrition when it comes to nutrition it is completely case by case because each person is unique but my best advice would be to speak with a nutritionist about putting together a plan that would best suit your in-season and out-of-season goals. I would also highly advise looking into pre-game and post-game meals, mainly because when we exercise, we are usually exhausting our energy, draining our fluids, and breaking down our muscle. That is why what we do in the moments during and immediately after a game determine how quickly our bodies rebuild muscle and replenish those nutrients. This will help us maintain our endurance throughout an entire season. And I can't tell you guys how many times I've played in seasons where I started off very strong because I ate the proper foods or I was coming off of the high of being in preseason training and going through two-a-days and being in the best physical shape that I possibly could. But because I didn't take care of my body throughout the season, by the 15th or 16th game of a 20-game season, my body was completely fatigued, I had no stamina, my endurance was gone, and that really affected my performances. So getting on top of that now is going to help you and really pay dividends in the future. Lastly is the actual physical work you do in both trainings and in games. And to be at your absolute best, you need to make sure that your body is recovering from that daily grind of training, which is where your nutrition and sleep both come into play. To be honest, these three are all intertwined and should be seen as needing to work in unison. So do yourself a favor now and start putting together a routine that encompasses all three. Trust me, you guys, this is a lot of stuff that I regret when I play that I didn't do. So take my advice here because I have been not the beneficiary, but somebody who has had to pay the price because I didn't put all these three together uh, continuously. At times I did, but not as a routine and not uh, as a habit throughout the entire season. All right, guys, so now that we've covered the physical side of the preparation aspect, let's go into the psychological side. And I want to talk about something called mental imagery. 
And mental imagery in reference to sports essentially means using all of your senses to rehearse your sport in your mind. This technique is used by virtually all the great athletes and research has shown that when you combine this with actual training, it improves performance more than just your practice alone. And when you perform this imagery, it's important to set specific goals for what areas you want to work on. And those goals can be technical, tactical, mental, or your overall performance. And Dr. Jim Taylor, who has a PhD in sports imagery, believes that there are four factors that impact the quality of your imagery. Perspective, control, multiple sense, and speed. And I kind of want to get into those four factors because if you want to get into mental imagery doing these four are extremely, extremely important. So I'm going to start with perspective. Perspective is how you view yourself performing the position. Are you viewing yourself internally, which is seeing yourself from inside your body looking out? Or are you viewing yourself externally, which involves seeing yourself from outside of your body like you would on video? And they said that there's no clinical research that shows that one is better than the other. It's just your personal preference. Next is your control. This is how well you're able to imagine what you want to imagine. It's not uncommon for athletes to perform poorly in their imagery, and it often reflects on a fundamental lack of confidence in their ability to perform that activity successfully. So if mistakes occur in your imagery, you shouldn't just let them go by and be okay with it. If you do, you'll further ingrain that negative image and feeling in your mind, which will hurt your overall performances. Instead, when you perform poorly in your imagery, immediately rewind that imagery video and edit the imagery video until you do it correctly. Next is multiple sense. The best imagery involves the multi-sensorial reproduction of the actual sport experience. You should try to duplicate the sights, sounds, physical sensations, thoughts, and emotions that you would experience in that actual competition. The most powerful part of mental imagery is feeling it in your body. That's how you really ingrain those new technical, tactical, mental skills, and habits. This is why you tend to see world-class athletes doing these before competitions. And lastly, we have speed. Taylor believes that the ability to adjust the speed of your imagery will enable you to use it and improve different aspects of your sporting performance. For example, slow motion is effective for focusing on technique. Slowing imagery video down, frame by frame if necessary, to see yourself executing the skill correctly is vital. Then, as you see and feel yourself performing well in slow motion, increase the speed of your imagery until you can perform well at real-time speed. So guys, those four factors are crucial to remember when performing your imagery. Now, while Taylor says that there are no guarantees that this technique will make you an Olympian, he believes that if you combine an imagery program with an intensive physical conditioning regimen and quality practice time, you'll feel as prepared as you possibly could be and feel like you have full command over your performances, which will help you combat those nerves if they do arise. And guys, that's the importance of preparation. And it's so that you're proactive versus reactive. Proactive meaning that you have all the hard work, you have all these boxes checked so that when you are in moments that seem unfamiliar to you or you're completely nervous before a big game and you have all these different tools and techniques that you can fall back on versus not understanding or knowing what the situation at hand is and how to react to them. So you're going in blind and you're coming into a game as a nervous wreck. And you guys, please remember if you take anything from this podcast that nothing good in life and especially in the context of goalkeeping can happen without diligent preparation. And like I've mentioned about my own career, I was a nervous wreck and somebody who didn't know how to deal with these emotions because I always walked that fine line of, am I confident enough in the work that I did leading up to this moment? And normally the answer was no. So don't allow that to happen to you. And if you're a young goalkeeper listening to this episode and you feel like your current habits sound similar to how mine were, do yourself a favor and start developing new ones now. And remember, old habits die hard. 
It's not going to be easy. You won't wake up tomorrow and the habits after one day are going to be gone. But trust me, you will thank yourself in the future. If you don't, you'll end up just like me. And you guys, it's not like I had a bad career. I felt like I did well. I was on the Galaxy Academy. I played at Division One school, broke records, did all I needed to do in terms of the context of he had a good career. But I felt like I left a lot on the table. And for me, it just felt like, what if I had been 10% more disciplined? Where would I have been? And that's my warning to you guys is that you don't want to wake up 10, 15 years from now when your careers are eventually over and say, man, I wish I would have added that 10% more discipline and I wish I would have done something differently because regret is not fun to deal with. And for me, whenever I talk about these issues or these topics, I always have that guilt that I should have done something more. But you've been warned here and I've given you guys the advice. So hopefully you guys can internalize this and go out there with this new information and these new techniques to uh, really help improve your game. And once again, guys, I really do appreciate you guys tuning into the ProJK podcast. My goal with this evergreen content is to bring you guys new information and new ideas, tips, techniques, all that to help you guys kind of internalize things and hopefully use it to your advantage. A lot of this information is new to me as well because I'm researching it and I wish I would have heard it or had it with me in my arsenal growing up and I feel like it definitely would have changed the way I viewed things. But yes, again, I do appreciate you guys tuning in. If you guys like the episode and others before it, please do me a favor and share it with one person you think may benefit from it. And if you really, really like the episode, please leave a review. That's what will help this podcast move up the ranks. As always, guys, you guys can find this episode on just about every streaming platform as well as YouTube. And uh, again, my name is Omar Zini. I will catch you guys in the next episode. Yeah. Have a good one. Grandmaster Soul, shouts.